0: Ritual is really, really important to human life. We all structure our life with ritual. Ritual undergirds everything. It undergirds uh, the cultural phenomenon of bureaucracy and institutions. Ritual is key to human identity. And here you have Jesus coming along. He, He establishes his own ritual. He has his own rituals.
1: Jesus the Jew, today on In the Shadow of the Cross. Episode of In the Shadow of the Cross. I am Lauren Rosser and I'm here with my friends for another episode. We've got with us Jim Durkin. Hello. And Timothy Leary. What's <laughs> <Michael> happening, man? <laughs> Michael Harden's name for the week. <laughs> so we thought it would be cool to talk about Jesus the Jew. I, I, I'm really eager to get into this conversation because. You know, we've so uh, here in the West I- I- and here in America, we've we've so Americanized Jesus, and then and then there's um, there's also a lot that goes on with a mentality of like, um, what's the term when it's like basically like you you uh, try to pull Judaism out of Christianity? I, I forgot that there's a term. Oh, say that again. Supersessionism, yes, supersessionism. Thank you. I couldn't remember the term, but but it's like there, there's a lot of that that goes on because we we look at the New Testament and we know that the New Testament's entirely new and different than Moses. But does that mean we completely rip the uh Judaism out of it? And does that mean Jesus is no longer a Jew? You know, we we turn him into a Western Christian so often, and so this is I think this is going to be a really good conversation, um, to bring the Judaism back to Jesus because that was his culture. That was his reality. So, um, Michael, how about if you launch us out on this?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I remember when I was Catholic, you know, uh, I didn't really know much about Jesus except for, you know, he, he he died and was somehow up there with mother Mary in heaven kind of thing. And, um, When I became a Protestant, um, basically the frame of reference I was given was that everything that I was learning as a a young conservative Baptist was what Jesus was doing and teaching. So it was the same thing. And then as I went through church experience over the next 20-something years, I realized uh, very, very early on, probably due to Bart Bonhoeffer's influence on me, um, but very early on, I realized that, that Christians project themselves into the life of Christ. And they always project themselves onto Jesus. And they assume that when they're reading sayings and teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, that it comports with the interpretation they're given in their tradition. And so they essentially Christianize Jesus One of the remarkable things after the Holocaust was the conversation that took place between uh, rabbis, rabbinic scholars in Judaism, and New Testament uh, scholars uh, in Christianity. And it was an extremely fruitful conversation. And it led to uh, not simply the publication of things like the Dead Sea Scrolls eventually, but whole new fields of research opening up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and continuing today into what's called Second Temple Judaism. And so we know so much more about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Scribes, the Samaritans, the people of the land, economic conditions, land distribution, population distribution, Um, The the economy, the relationships between the great powers, you know, uh, uh, Herod and Rome and the family dynamics were much more familiar uh, than we were even 30 years ago with Jesus' Judaism. And one of the things that I teach my students is that it's a mistake of Protestantism, a, a big mistake of Protestantism to have left out the apocrypha in the canon not that the i would consider the apocrypha to be quote authoritative i don't don't have that view of either testament i don't i don't work that way as you know but by removing the apocrypha what they did was they they the new testament has to be placed against second temple judaism that's the apocrypha not against the Old Testament. Second Temple Judaism are attempts, multiple attempts to interpret this collection called the Old Testament, primarily Torah. In some cases, Torah and the Prophets. In other cases, Torah and the Prophets and some of the wisdom literature and other pseudepigraphal literature like First Enoch and the Book of Jubilees and the Book of Adam and Eve and this and that and the other. The thing is, is that when we make the New Testament try to interpret the Old Testament, we're leaving out the middle of the sandwich. We're leaving out this massive attempt to ask the big question of what does it mean to be a Jew? That was the big question that was burning throughout Judaism in the second temple period because of the influx of Hellenism or Greek life on, on, on Judaism. And there were, you know, I mean, you can't have a kosher table, with someone that doesn't have, uh, isn't living kosher. You can't, you know, fellowship with someone that isn't circumcised. And you take Saturdays off, you know, because that's your Sabbath. Nobody else got Saturdays off. And the only reason we have the notion of a weekend today is because we have the Sabbath and then we have the Christian Sabbath. That's where we get our weekend from. Otherwise, we might have Tuesday, Wednesday off. Who knows? But at any rate, the Old Testament is the backdrop for Second Temple Judaism. Second Temple Judaism is this massive, vibrant, thriving, and oftentimes failing attempt to reinterpret or to interpret this. And Jesus is there. That's where Jesus is to be placed. He's not to be placed in the New Testament, but he's to be placed within the context in which he was born and raised and lived and taught and died and that is second temple judaism the new testament then is the christian attempts and there are, there are multiple attempts to interpret jesus in terms of second temple judaism and so you have the Mathian jerusalem uh, or the jerusalem church and its influence on the mathean communities and Uh, literature like 1st, 2nd Peter, James, Jude, and the Revelator. And then you have the other literature, the Pauline literature that influences Luke and Mark, and then the Johannine literature, which is kind of parallel to the Pauline literature. And you see this other way of viewing Jesus in relation to Judaism. But the New Testament is asking a a, a very different type of question than Jesus was, was asking in his life, on the other hand, the, the New Testament is an attempt to come to terms with Jesus and Judaism, and that's why we have all the discussion on books like Paul and the Law, Jesus and the Law. We have all the theological discussions about what's the relationship between the Law and the Gospel and this and that and the other. What, what you know, All of this combined <laughs> together uh, shows me at least that we are we are morally obligated, more I say morally obligated to be begin, all of us, uh, to no longer trust the study notes in our Bibles, but but actually get in there and begin learning Jesus Judaism. And that's the only way we'll ever understand Jesus.
1: That's really good. And and that that, that adds a lot to uh, to my thought processes here, just because uh I, I, you know, it's it's almost like um, we Christianize the New Testament. We Christianize Jesus without even realizing we're doing it. You know, it, it it's it comes just because of the culture we're immersed in and the world I grew up in. It, without even thinking about it, it, I just, you know, innocently slip into it. You know, mm-hmm. and and if it. Correct me if I'm missing it here, because um, you said that what they were wrestling with, because you look at the Apocrypha and you, you look at Second Temple Judaism, you said uh, they were asking the question, what does it mean to be a Jew? Is that yes. the question that Jesus was, was wrestling with himself or seeking to answer?
0: No, 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 no. The, the, the question, so for the Pharisees, for example, um, you know, who were the Pharisees? The standard Protestant interpretation of legalists is just so false as to be almost anti-Semitic. The Pharisees were groups of of men, you had to be male, um, that gathered in little fellowships, habarims, that 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 met together to eat together, and they chose to take upon themselves the Levitical code of the priesthood in their daily life. So in other words, they're lay people, but they're choosing to live as though they are priests so that when God looked down on Israel, he would still see a faithful priesthood because everybody knew the priesthood in the temple was corrupt as, as all get out. I mean, that high priest's office was bought and sold. There were only four major families that produced high priests. The family of Annas produced seven high priests between the uh, birth of Jesus and the destruction of the temple alone. You know, it's like having the Bush or the Clinton or the whatever family dynasty, the Kennedy dynasty or whatever you want to say. You know, uh, it was corrupt, you know, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees had all these disagreements about how rituals were to be performed. And if you had a, you know, a particular, particular high priest that was more oriented to the Pharisees. It ticked off the Sadducees and vice versa. You had the Samaritans who had their own temple destroyed, and they were angry. They weren't going to be bringing their stuff to Jerusalem. And you had the, you had all the issue of the meat market there and and how that related to the temple and everything. I mean, nobody looked at the temple with kindness, really, nobody. And so the Pharisees are just saying, we want to be We want to be the ones that that bring favor to Israel. Yes, you have to interpret the Pharisees. You have to always remember that when you're reading how Pharisees are arguing with Jesus. Why are they arguing with him? Because they're concerned that he's bringing uncleanness into a land that's supposed to be clean. Right?
1: Right, yeah. This is really interesting. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Jesus' mother tongue of Aramaic. Um, I am not an Aramaist. Okay, I I neither read uh, Aramaic. I mean, I can I can actually read it. I don't know what it's saying because I know Hebrew characters. I know the characters, so I can read it. And sometimes I get lucky and go, "Oh, I know that word," you know. But um, but I do love the study of Aramaic scholarship, and so I read a lot of the the writers that are the Aramaists like um, Bruce Chilton or uh, Matthew Black or uh, Joseph Fitzmyer or these these folks, uh, Gustav Dahlman, the early great Aramaic scholar Joachim Yeremiaus, and the one thing is is that so much of what Jesus s- says, when it's retranslated properly back into Aramaic, uh, reveals some really really important intertextual um connection so for example we say we know what the kingdom of god what's the kingdom of god if i ask anybody what's the kingdom of god you know ask any conservative evangelical well that's when you know god comes and reigns on the earth that's the kingdom of god did did jesus bring the kingdom of god well he came and he offered it and israel refused and so it's put off and this and that and all this nonsense okay um where did Jesus get the phrase kingdom of God? Because Basileia to Tha'u, uh, Makuth Hashem, where does he get this phrase? Because it doesn't really appear in the Hebrew Bible, but it appears in the Aramaic paraphrases that are read in the synagogue uh, from Isaiah 40 through 55, Jesus' favorite section of scripture. And it talks about the reign of God. Not just simply God, but the reign of God. And of course, that's the section with the suffering servant. And every Jesus, inter- his his life interpretation can be found in Isaiah 40 through 55. If you learn to read it through his eyes. And, um, and, and that's important because it, it helps us identify a portion of scripture that would have been important to Jesus on self-consciousness. His understanding of what it meant to be a messenger or a herald uh, of this this reign and what kind of reign it was. And we're not necessarily dealing with a place, kingdom, as much as we are the character or the way God reigns. Seek first God's reign. See how God reigns or rules. Seek that first. And everything's added to Not, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What the heck does that mean, right? <laughs> right, yeah. But seek the way God reigns. How does God reign? Not like the tyrant. Not like the master of the parable. Not like, You know what I mean? Not like the yeah. Gentile. I mean, it's all there for us if we want to mine it. And, and how can you read the Gospel of John without even knowing the Dead Sea Scrolls is beyond me? Because that, that gospel has been influenced by that tradition major league and there's wow. some sort of evidence of, of, of uh, a seen influence in some of Paul's letters as well you know so we're not just dealing here with with minor influence in the life of Jesus but through the broader New Testament I mean the book of first Enoch you can't read Jude or the Revelator without reading first Enoch you really can't even read the Gospel of Matthew without knowing first Enoch because Matthew is in a sense seeking to begin the subversion process. Doesn't complete it like Paul, but he begins the subversion process of the Hanukkah eschatological viewpoint. That can be seen in his use of the parable of uh, the sheep and the goats. Uh, whereas um, Judaism had tended toward that that kind of, well, it's different than the Egyptian view. The Egyptian view is based on wealth. The Jewish on moral Uh how how much do you have on one side of the scale or the other when you stand before God? You know, and the rabbis debated all of this, and and there were some really cool rabbis. They said, well, if it's ever fifty fifty, God will drop a coin on your good side. You know, they they believed in the goodness of God. They really really did. And um, you know, here Jesus says, no 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 no. Uh, it's it's it, you, you want you want to know what judgment's about. Judgment's about. The way you treat people. Because with the measure you measure, you will be measured. If you measure love with a thimble, do you expect God to use a bucket of love on you? You know, and that's the whole point of that parable. And it's Matthew's attempt to begin that, or Matthew and Jesus' attempt to begin that subversion of that worldview. Now, Christianity, Christianity is stuck in Second Temple Judaism because it's adopted that eschatological worldview.
2: And... Mm-hmm. Yeah
0: yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have a moral obligation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take that a step further, Lauren and Jim. Let's do this. What's at the heart of the priestly code, the ritual, pure, the purity code? What's at the heart of that is the statement, be holy as I am holy.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? And so the entire focus of Judaism is purity. They, The, the Jews are not crazy legalists looking to make life hard in the in the interpreters of torah you know J- jesus said the pharisees would put burdens on people that they wouldn't lift and part of the burden they're putting on people is that if you're a common person just a regular day laborer it's almost impossible to live a pharisaic lifestyle the pharisees were the were the merchants they were the you know, the people with means, the people that could afford to eat together, so to speak. And, you know, and, um, but, but they, they sought purity. Be ho- and the Levitical code is be holy as I am holy. Now here comes Jesus. And um, purity, it doesn't seem to be that important to Jesus. He touches lepers, he touches sick people, he touches dead people. You know, Levitical purity doesn't seem to matter to Jesus, and what he does is he turns the Levitical purity code on its head using another verse uh, and also a targumic, a targumic translation. Be merciful as I am merciful. To be to be godlike is not to be ritually pure. But to be merciful to others again, the parable of the sheep and the goats.
2: Well, I I, I like uh, you know I like what you were saying your your reflection, Lauren. Uh, that uh, in in modern times we see the exact same thing. Uh, whether you know, you're probably right. It's probably the evangelical uh, world right now, or church, or whatever. Uh, but. Uh, the ones that are trying to make everything pure. Uh, you know, uh, Michael, you, you gave a really good definition of what the kingdom of God is. And yet it seems like the modern day Pharisee, if you will, is trying to establish a place, a, 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 a kingdom Jesus said, my kingdom, it's not visible. You can't observe it. And they're trying to make something that you can observe that, you know, we're going to get the right right people in, in all the positions of authority. And, you know, and then we're going to have the kingdom because we're going to purify this thing. And, and you, you know, but the everyday Christian, as you said, the everyday Jew couldn't live up to that standard. And it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's interesting the parallel, uh, but, but I'm really, besides that, I'm really intrigued by, uh, what you're saying and, and what we've all kind of come into an an understanding that Jesus did not step into a 21st century, uh, western or american world uh he stepped into a a first century jewish world as a jew
0: yeah
2: and uh that's even just that much of an understanding uh should provoke people to to do a little bit of research like well what was it to be a jew in those days uh you know, and, and I'm thinking about Paul uh, and, and probably, you know, Peter, James, the things they wrestled with. When Paul says to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, here you have this whole Jewish culture uh, that actually walked around with Jesus, actually spent three years with him and hung out, and, you know, they got everything he was saying on certain levels. On other levels, they didn't get it at all, but um mm-hmm. they're wrestling with, wait a minute, we're the Jews. We have our rituals and our rites and our things that you have to do to be pleasing to God, circumcision and Sabbath-keeping and, and they're wrestling uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, why are the Gentiles able to not do what we have to do? or and, and not what we have to do, but what we've been taught is what God requires. And we want them to do it too so they can be, you know. And, and we don't get that when we read, Uh, You know, Corinthians and Romans and Galatians and, you know, because we're reading it through the wrong eyes, but uh, it was it was probably a mess back then. (laughs) Let's put it that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it—it's it, like I've heard it said that you know when we'd say, well, actually, this was from you, Michael. You you had said one time when we'd say, "What did the Jews believe?" or "The Jews believe this." You said that's a ridiculous statement because there was like more than 500 different sects of Judaism.
0: Well, there weren't yes. that many. There, there 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 might have been you know, of the major ones, Josephus identifies four: Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, and Zealots. Whether or not the Zealots were an actual movement during Jesus' lifetime rather than later in the 50s and 60s is a question for historians. But there are also the Samaritans. The Essenes Mm -hmm. were not all the same, Um, uh, the Pharisees were not the same. The proto rabbinics, the proto rabbinic school, um, uh, you know, uh, say uh, Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai, Uh, One is a liberal Pharisee, one's a conservative Pharisee. And Jesus is asked to engage in rabbinic uh, debates, you know, like over divorce. Do we follow Hillel or do we follow Shammai? Jesus is neither. Follow the Essenes. They don't allow for divorce, you know. (laughs) He he really puts them to the test about who's the real priesthood,
2: you know, Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) who's really trying to follow Torah. Uh-huh. But um, And then the Samaritans, of course. And Samaritans play a major, major role in early Christianity because two reasons. One, um, it was the conversion of Samaritans that is uh, going to bring about a, a massive rethink of that theological tradition, the Samaritan theological tradition, which has its major influence in early Christianity, particularly seen in someone like Stephen. Stephen's speech reflects Samaritan theology. Oh, wow. I did not know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, right. So, like, I expect you to know that, Lauren. You should know everything. Yeah? <laughs> twice, twice for you, Dirk. You're twice as old. But to uh, no, know, um, yeah, but, but there's, a, there's real early influences of Samaritans on Christianity, that cannot, cannot have pleased uh, Pharisees and priests that were joining Christianity. See, it wasn't just a question of Jew and Gentile. It was a question of what kind of Jew. Now, we don't see those debates reflected in the New Testament on the surface, but we can see them underneath. Mm-hmm. Also, the Samaritan influence on the Gospel of John is is extraordinary. Uh, the writer of the Gospel of John travels in the world of the Essenes and the Samaritans, not the world of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Even though the writer, I think, is a priest. The writer of the fourth gospel is a priest, and certainly knows the, his tradition.
1: Okay, wow. So when we read, because uh, you just you talked about uh, the the Essenes and the Samaritans influencing John and Stephen's speech, um, is. Was Matthew more influenced by the Pharisees?
0: Uh, Yes, Matthew would have been influenced by the Pharisee, the liberal, more Hillelite Pharisee tradition, except uh, when it it comes to the issue of divorce. And then on the issue of divorce, uh, Matthew's community adds, except for adultery, which is the Shammaiite rule. Again, Hillel... Uh, If your wife burns your dinner, you can get a divorce. Shammai, nope, no divorce except for adultery. The Essenes, no divorce. Wow. You with me? Yeah. Again, all varying viewpoints within Second Temple Judaism, which ought to tell us we should never be going to our Bibles trying to find the doctrine of anything. There's yeah. no agreement. There's, the Bible is not a book of agreements. It's a it's a great big book of debates. And it's we are entering into those debates. Not, and it's yeah. not bad. We're, we're not, and our problem is you get postmodernists today. Oh, yeah, the Bible's all full of errors and it's legend and it's myth. And it's deb- I'm not paying attention to that. No way, you know. And it's like, boy, you miss the power of the text when you do that. You right. Know, it's, like, it's like saying, oh, the mission is just a bunch of boring rabbinic debates. No, it isn't. You're getting in there asking about the heart of people trying to ask, if we're going to do this ritual that God's commanded us to do, we need to do it right. You know, a Catholic priest not allowed to stand up there and hem and haw his way through the Mass any way he wants. No. Ritual is really, really important to human life. We all structure our life with ritual. Ritual undergirds everything. It undergirds uh, the cultural phenomenon of bureaucracy and institutions. Ritual is key to human identity. And here you have Jesus coming along. He he establishes his own ritual. He has his own rituals. He goes off into the wilderness to get away from the crowds. He says, you're going to do this meal. Do it in my remembrance. I mean... This is not a denigration of the category of a ritual. It's it's asking about redefining it. It's asking about its its role, you know, it, as connected to something like like God.
2: So I have a, yeah, I, that's, it's a that's good. I have a question for you, Michael. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> it's kind of a three or four part question, I guess. Okay, okay.
0: I've got my pen ready. I've got yeah. my pen
2: ready. Okay, okay. so which which is worse to flatline read the bible and give every scripture equal weight or to uh, be the modernist who says oh it's full of holes and contradictions and fables and and blah 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 and therefore it's unreliable okay which which is Next. worse, and it, and well, do you if want you me to go on one? to say, if you go on to say that we need to understand, uh, you know, what it was to be a Jew and certain other things, we need to understand, you know, some Greek and some Hebrew to really get, you know, and who the author is, what Second Temple Judaism is, and so on and so forth, then you're launching a person into a lot of research and study that the average person just isn't going to do. So what what simply would be your answer to those, those types of questions?
0: Okay, so um, first, uh, number one, which is worse, the flatline reading or or the modernist dis- just dispensing of the text? Um, I would say both are worse. <laughs> I mean, both are worse. But both are... Yeah. Um, neither way, it, 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 one way is just to, to ignore the text. The other way is to distort it. So they're both bad. In, in my view... Um, Well, let me get to number two. We need to understand um, what it takes to be a Jew. Are we dooming the layperson to endless reading? So the answer is no. Um, In the time I pastored churches, in the time I was in churches, there was always a Sunday school program or an adult education program. Now, I know this is only true of the churches I've been in. I know that there are some churches that do have what I'm about to describe. I'm aware of that, but they are few, few, few and far between. Who teaches the adult Sunday school class? Whoever is the Bible-thumping extrovert, Mm -hmm. that's who teaches it. You know, and whether they use... um, Bill Gothard or whether they use John MacArthur or whether they, whatever, whatever one commentary they're stuck on, they're just going to come and parrot that stuff at you. We don't teach our teachers in the Protestant tradition. Our pastors in theory, our pastors in theory can go to seminary. Now, I will tell you right now, you go to any seminary curriculum outside of Princeton you go to any summer, seminary curriculum for a Master of Divinity, you'll see almost, as, as, far, as far as I'm aware, um, no requirements other than uh, to understand Judaism, other than a, a, a quote, Old Testament class. And usually there, the professors are stuck trying to, they spend their whole time trying to get their students out of. What's actual history and what's not, and it, you know, you get all the fundamentalist students weeping their brains out in that class. That's why they always operate first. It's the first class you get in seminaries, the Old Testament class. Got to start deconstructing your view of the Bible. But you know, you don't have to learn about Judaism in seminary, and I, I don't know. I mean, even to become a New Testament scholar, unless you are going to become a Jesus scholar, uh, your understanding of Judaism can be minimal. Um, I mean, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work to be familiar with the Mishnah or, you know, the Tesefta or even the Talmud. And I'm I'm not claiming incredible familiarity at all with the Talmud. It's still a mystery to me. And I'm talking about the Babylonian Talmud, not even the Jerusalem Talmud. You know, but re- being able to, to see the, the piety and the pathos of of Jews in that period, reading the hymns of thanksgiving by the teacher of righteousness in the Qumran community. And I remember one Sunday I got in the pulpit when I was a pastor and I told them I was going to do the reading for the sermon. And I actually read the uh, one of the psalms, the songs that the, the teacher of righteousness gave to the earlier scenes. And then I preached it. Oh, they loved it. They loved it. Oh, where's that from, Pastor? I said, it's from the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> you know? Um, no, I mean, look, you know, how can you understand Romans 1 without being familiar with the wisdom of Solomon and the view of the Gentile and, and the wisdom of Solomon? I mean, it's it's so almost identical that it has led one a scholar to even say that Paul wrote the wisdom of Solomon, you know? Uh, wow. I don't, think, I don't think he did, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But at any rate, I mean, it's like without Second Temple Judaism, your view of Jesus is going to always be a distorted view. You'll never get to know the son of the father. You'll never get to, to understand his experience and what it felt like to be marginalized and viewed as a bastard child with paternity issues. You'll never understand the kind of marginalization he would have experienced from his own family i mean mm-hmm. his brother mm-hmm. th- and mother thought that he'd lost his mind wow, um, wow. yes you know and, and you have to ask why would they think that you know when you go to the gospels do you say to yourself oh jesus lost his mind no no but when the oldest son abandons the family system and now puts the burden on the next oldest, James. James has now got to be the man of the house. You don't think he's going to get a little indignant at Jesus, who wandering around with a bunch of women and and long hair dippies, right? You know.
1: Wow so, yeah and that, that adds a lot to when Jesus says things to uh to his disciples you know about a person says well let me go bury my dad first yeah and uh, it, and Jesus says uh let the dead bury the dead That's right. you know that that adds a lot because man he was going against their culture
0: oh not just, not going against their culture no no Jesus is not uh anti-semitic. He's going against ways of interpreting this Jewish tradition that the Father has been working through from Abraham forward. The Father's been working through this tradition. Jesus says, I know this Father. I know this one, and you're misrepresenting him. So he's not against the culture. He's not against the religion. He's against the way that people are framing these conversations about God and the implications of following that
2: kind of a God. Yeah. Does that make I, better I, think, that's, I think that's huge. Um, you know, the misrepresentation. One time I, I, I came to uh, see that the reason Jesus was so harsh with the religious leaders uh, was because they were um, at one point he said that, you know, the kingdom has been given to you, but it's going to be taken away and given to someone else. And, and he was upset with the fact that they were misrepresenting the father. Totally. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he came to make the father known and, you know it's I, I i was sharing with somebody the other day it's it's uh and and i wasn't saying this as a rebuke by any means but in the conversation i i said you know you've had a really good relationship for a number of years with God a god consciousness but you don't know the father. And, Uh and he was like, you know what, Jim, you're right. I don't. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you especially don't know a father who loves you. And, Mm -hmm. and and I I think that's probably true about a lot of people. (laughs) You know, we, we Mm -hmm. know we have this God consciousness. We have this God concept but we don't know the father and we don't know the love of a father. So, um, you know, it's, you know, that's what Jesus, you know, that's one of Jesus's primary um, purposes for coming was to let people know that God is a father and he's Mm -hmm. our father. Um, You know, that's, that's an important revelation really Amen. in in Jewish uh, you know Jewish culture would that concept have been a new concept
0: well in, in a, okay in, let me. the statistically God is only referred to as father Ab a B uh, in Hebrew yep. uh, 14 times in the Jewish uh, Canon. Uh, right. When Jesus comes on the scene and he uses the term Abba, 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 whatever, uh, it's the term that, that a, a child learns for, for, for Papa, Daddy, fa- you know, Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the formal form of that is Ab. Uh, the informal is Abba, just like Emma is, is Mother, Abba is Father, Abba, Emma. But Abba is also a term that's used at the village gates for those uh, men of wisdom that are making the judgments. Usually they're priests, but they're making, they're functioning as the judges in the village and uh, adjudicating disputes and these kinds of things. So Abba is a term of intimacy and respect. And um, I think you can see that being played out in the way Jesus talks about his Abba. And so Jesus wasn't doing the, the father's my boyfriend thing. No, no. He's, he's sure. doing the I trust that everything I know and believe about the universe is the one I call Papa. And I am so deeply loved by this one. I ha- and that's what allows him to go through the cross. It's this deep, deep self-aware of, of being truly loved and accepted by the Father.
2: Now, the the 14 or so references, I, I didn't know the exact number. I knew it was very few. Um, those references, the majority of them have um, infer that God uh, god is the father of the nation right
0: there's a number of them that do that yeah there's a couple in the psalms where it's used in that personal manner but those that those are
2: rare in between uses right so that would not have been a concept that that most people understood then mm, and, and,
0: it, and it would been, i think it would have been unusual it would have they, okay. people would have it, it it would have sh- struck them as odd.
2: It, I think it would have struck them as odd that someone could have that relationship.
0: Not of, that someone of... could have that relationship, but they would have the the nerve okay. to call God their father because because technically speaking, in the ancient world, only the king could do that.
2: Ah, wow. Okay. So so that must have been a real. Um sit back and take notice when jesus said pray this manner our father
0: yeah yes yeah it would have been a sit back moment for, for them um again we have in the in the uh Mathian version we have the use uh of the, the pater noster the our father the lucan version just has the simple abba when you pray say Abba. It, it doesn't, it's, the, the Luke version is is probably uh, more authentic to the original Jesus tradition, but, and Matthew has just simply liturgized it for the community, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think, Jim, if you're looking for uh, uh, an argument to be able to say Jesus Wanted us to know the father like he had come to know the father. I think it can be found in that use of, of the term in the way Jesus redefines Abba.
2: We've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba.
1: Amen. Yeah. And then uh, another question, um, throughout the new Testament, uh, in the gospels, we see Jesus uh, debating with the Pharisees more than, than any other group. Um, why is that? We don't see him like having long debates with Sadducees or you know various other groups. Why, why is it dominantly with the Pharisees?
0: This is a good question, and I'm about to give you an answer that will blow your mind. Um, ask yourself this: Do people tend to have arguments
1: with people that are really, really different them or similar to them? Bam. That's what I was driving at. Um, I was wondering that, that. that So answering your question is that Jesus found himself most similar, not identical, but most similar to the Pharisees.
0: A liberal Pharisee, a Hillelite. Yep. Absolutely. Wow.
1: I really, love that. That'll, that'll blow people's minds.
0: It's always really, really fun to read Jewish scholarship on Jesus. You know, uh, Giza Vermesh, uh, his books on Jesus, or um, even the older books like, like Joseph Klausner's book or uh, uh, more co- contemporary Jewish readings of Jesus. Uh, I, I'm very keen on um, The Sage from Galilee by, um, oh, come on, Michael, Flusser, David Flusser. Uh, really keen on that book. Wonderful book. I, I got to come back to Jim's question because I think I just kind of answered it. What can Christians do, you know, to give themselves a better understanding? They can read Jews, Jewish scholars, not not messianic Jews. Not oh, we're going to do we're going to Christianize the Passover Seder. No, 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 no. Stay away from all that that messianic Judaism stuff and all that. Oh, the feasts mean this. I mean, stay away from all of that. I'm talking about real serious Jewish scholarship writing about Jesus. And, and these, are, these are people that have spent a lifetime, you know. And again, David Flusher's book, The Sage from Galilee, would be one I would recommend to anybody. Jesus the Jew by Giza Vermesh, uh, Jesus in the World of Religion by Vermesh. Um, there's so many. Um. I would also recommend uh, for anybody's reading list on, on Jesus and Judaism, Joachim Yeremias's New Testament Theology Volume 1, which is on the Synoptic Gospels, and he never completed that series, but that's a, for my money, it's a brilliant book. If I was on a desert island and I only had 10 books for a year, uh, that Euremius' New Testament Theology Volume 1 would be on my list. And yes, it does have Aramaic and Hebrew characters, and yes, it does have Greek characters and words, and if you're not familiar with that, it doesn't matter. It's still so rich. Um... If you want to understand uh, uh, Jesus Judaism, pick up the little book called "Jerusalem in the Time of Jesus" by And It will give you so much. Uh, it's packed with information. Um, there, there is a lot of great stuff going on archaeologically right now uh, in 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 the the, the Palestine Israel Holy Land area, whatever you want to call it, whatever's your preferred term they (laughs) um there's a lot of good archaeological stuff going on there especially in magdala and um uh, where mary was from mary from magdala magdalene
1: oh okay and
0: and, yeah um and i I found it always curious that when the disciples refer to her they don't refer to her as miriam they refer to her as the magdalene you know Mm. um like, she's a character out of Zombieland. I telltale. Hat. That's Magdalene.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. That's that's interesting.
0: Right. Yeah. That's red in California. Yeah.
1: Exactly. It's like those those soldiers in those war movies. You know, Dallas, yeah. <laughs> Tex, You know.
0: Yeah, I would encourage people to uh, don't 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 be naive. Be be aware. If you're just a layperson, you're just a layperson. If you're a pastor with some education, just just be aware that. You know, you're 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 reading source material for the first time. You're entering a world of thought that that will astonish you. It's not the Western logical kind of thinking you're used to. You are you are. I, I did I did a two year period where I read nothing but Jewish literature. I didn't read Christian literature. I just read Jewish ancient Jewish literature. I mean, I absorbed that's that's the period. I absorbed you know the the Talmud and a lot of the midrashim and all that stuff and the targums and everything else. That's all I read for two years, and um, I mean it caused me a lot of anxiety because I'm not used to thinking the way they they think. And Interesting. It, yeah, yeah, and and there was a point I actually was getting depressed. Really. Yeah, Be, because I I was trying to ferret out you know how the rabbis think you know, and it was, and it was like I I couldn't understand even sometimes just. The simplest of questions they were asking, and I'm trying to understand their exegesis and everything else, and I'm I'm completely confused. Well, that's going to happen if you read this literature, folks. It's Jewish literature. You have to respect it for what it is. It's some of the most extraordinary. It is some of the most extraordinary literature in the world. It, you know, um, I mean, it's 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 worth. Taking a week out of your life to spend some time in. Let me put it that way. Anybody can read a chapter a week in something, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: It's it, it's interesting because what you're pointing out is it's it's not as simple as I'm just going from, okay, I'm learning Western thinking from a British point of view to Western thinking from <laughs> a French point of view. It's like what you're saying is it's like, no, you're, you're stepping into an entirely different universe. Yes.
0: Yes. And it needs to be respected. You know, don't just go in and make judgments. Oh, bunch of legalists. Oh, I don't know what they're arguing about that for. Oh, it's just like, no, no, no. Show some respect for the tradition. This is a, it's a vibrant, living, religious tradition. It is not a dead tradition. And uh, I I think Christians have got, and I'm not talking about uh, the whole Zionist lobby and all of that stuff, but I think Christians in general have got to be far more respectful of the Jewish religious tradition, and they have to be very, very careful when they're reading it not to make these false correlations to anything that they think is actually happening in the New Testament, if you know what I mean. That's easy to do well it is it's so easy to do you can it's uh, Samuel Sandmill back in the 60s called it parallelomania you know for example in the Johannine Gospel the paraclete the Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of truth right yeah okay now is that phrase ever used elsewhere in Judaism or Jewish literature
1: I'm sure it is where'm I'm, I'm trying to think. <laughs> The Dead Sea Scrolls Okay,
0: talk about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, just like the Johannine writer. Now, can you say, oh, the Johannine writer got that from the Essene community? Not necessarily. Can you make a case for other words and phrases and thought patterns found in the fourth gospel that comport with uh, things found in the, the Dead Sea Scrolls? Yes, you can. Now, you have corroborative evidence that there's a larger Essene influence. So can you, in fact, say that spirit of truth uh, may well have come out of the Essene tradition? And now the Johannine writers are applying that to the Holy Spirit. Well, you can. See what I mean? It's not not for You've got corroborative evidence. You always want corroborative evidence. You never want to take one New Testament text, and one pseudepigraphal text, because when you do that, or or if you're reading in the later rabbis, you know, of the Mishnah, the Toseptah, the Talmud, you have to remember that's not all the stuff that was believed in Jesus' day. That's stuff that was believed also after the reconstruction of Judaism for the next several hundred years, and it's all mixed in with stuff that was believed in Jesus' day. So you, you have to really engage that literature critically like uh, Jacob Neusner does, right? Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot. I, mean, I, I, I But I don't want to freak people out, but I want to say be respectful when you come to Jewish literature. Be very respectful. Um, God is still speaking in Judaism as much as God is speaking in Christianity, and I think God is speaking now everywhere around the world and just about every way imaginable through music, through art, through, through, um, digging wells, through camaraderie, even, even through helping refugees through, uh, the natural world. I mean, I think that, listen, man, if you're a believer in, in the revelation of God, uh, there's the, the light shines when it's the darkest and we are in a dark time right now. And the light is really, I think, starting to kind of shine out there.
1: Yeah. Well, great discussion, you guys. Um, yeah, I've got I got a lot from this one. This was one of those fun ones where it's like you're just a student in the classroom, and uh, it, it was fun having <laughs> having access to the professor to ask the questions. You know? <laughs> so that was that was you're nice. Mad Professor Timothy. <laughs> <we> go, <laughs> exactly. Sure.
2: Before we wrap up, uh, Lauren, I just, um, just an observation, something, uh, uh, the last thing that Michael was saying there, uh, about the spirit of truth. And again, uh, it almost goes without saying, but I will, that when we read, uh, the Bible today, we're, we're obviously, we're reading it through Western eyes. And, mm-hmm. and, and so when we read the spirit of truth, it's like, yeah, okay. Well, obviously let's talk about the Holy spirit and da 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 da. da. So we got that, I mean, you know, we're, uh, uh, well, some of us are charismatic, so we get that. <laughs> um, <laughs> ouch. Ouch.
0: Yeah, ouch. <laughs> oh, me. Hurt me, baby. But,
2: um, you know, uh, But what you're saying is that they would have heard that uh, not from the perspective, obviously, of, yeah, we read the Bible. We know that term. They would have heard it from, uh, we have that in, in our Jewish writings. We have that in other things other than Torah or uh, you know, or the the Psalms, or the Prover—I uh, mean, the uh, uh, Prophets—we uh, have that in other writings, and I, I find that very fascinating to me. That, as you brought out on, on multiple weeks, that uh, Jesus, uh, certainly Jude, uh, writer of the Fourth Gospel, Matthew, uh, and and others drew on on other writings other than what we now call the Bible or the Old Testament. And uh, to me, that's just fascinating.
1: Hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that opens up a, a whole nother can of worms even that we don't have time to get into. But, you know, you read sure. Paul quoting people that, that aren't, that's not scripture, you know. And uh, and Michael has raised the, the debate before uh, the discussion on, uh, the question, I should say, on uh, well, if 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 we say the New Testament's inspired, and Paul's quoting from this other document, does that mean that document's inspired? Or Jude, so.
0: Jude, Jude quotes First Enoch, and listen, First Enoch was considered by many many Christians to be part of the Jewish canon. Remember, there's no such thing as a Jewish canon in Jesus' day. Mm-hmm. There are right. debates right. about the canon that will continue even. Uh, past the debates, uh, 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 the destruction of Second Temple Judaism. I mean, um, there wasn't such a thing as the Bible. So whenever Christians say, you see, Jesus quotes the Old Testament, so he's confirming the authority of the Bible, I just look at them and shake my head, and I say, you have no idea that is not how a Jew thinks.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's absurd.
2: Well I, well, I can remember, you know, as, as a young person, uh you know the arguments against the dead sea scrolls you know if if those were inspired writings and they would be in the bible you know mm-hmm. and 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 the same thing with apocrypha it's like yeah those catholics you know they keep all those extra books but but they're not in the bible you know and,
1: and then they and, and then they say let's turn to the book of romans yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and 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 you know to to realize that the quote unquote first canon of scripture that came out had what was it 80 88 books something like that.
0: It had it had 80 it had the apocrypha. 80 yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And over time you know certain sects of the Christian Church world or whatever cut out, you know, and put in and, you know, so it's like the narrow mindedness of, of some that the 66 and, and I have a Facebook friend that the name of his church back in New Jersey, I think it is, is the blessed King James Bible Baptist church. <laughs> wow! Yeah. So, anyhow, uh,
0: would not be a place I'd want to hang out.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I I want the uh, blessed, uh, amplified. Um, no.
0: <laughs> you know, if I was going to hang out at a church like that, it would it would literally be like taking ayahuasca. I'd just be vomiting.
1: <laughs> oh man
0: give him a
2: participation
1: trophy exactly right hurry up
2: we're,
1: we're descending we're, we're spiraling down quickly and, uh, well thank you everybody for uh, tuning in and uh, Michael where can people find your stuff
0: um, Amazon for my books and uh, YouTube for videos
1: And Jim, where could people find your stuff? On Amazon. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we'll talk to you all again next week.